Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hello, Cornerstone Church. Welcome to everybody watching on site. Welcome to everybody watching online as well. I know I'm not with you in the room today, but can you just participate with me? And can we make some noise if we're excited to be in God's house today? Excited to worship God, to bring him praise, to learn from his word. Well, hey, the reason I'm not in the room today is because I am out of town. I'm out of town. I am down in North Carolina in Kitty Hawk, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I'm down there. I'm suffering for the Lord in the beach and the sun and the seafood. I'm doing the Lord's work down there. Uh, so I, I hate that I'm missing everybody. I hate that I'm missing everybody this weekend. But I'm going to be worshiping with you, not just in spirit, but I'm going to be worshiping with you online uh, today. I'm going to be uh, watching as well. Um, I'm going to be using my burner account on Facebook and YouTube to be like, man, isn't that pastor good? Wow, he's so handsome and he's so articulate and his message points are all so good. I'm just going to be, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, but I will be on there. I, I will be on there worshiping with you today. Like I said, I hate that I won't be able to be in person with everybody, but I am excited to still worship wherever we're at. Isn't technology great that we can even do this? I love it. Love that we're able to do that. Well, hey, we are in part three of our series called The Verse After the Verse. Why don't you say it with me? The Verse After the Verse. If you participated, even though this is just a video, kudos to you. <laughs> this series, this series that we started a, a few weeks back, it's based off the idea that we all have our favorite Bible verses. We all have verses and passages that we love. And, uh, you know, they're the ones that are hanging up in our house. They're the ones we have tattooed on our arms. They're the ones that we have in our Instagram profile. Uh, but here's the thing. Every verse has a verse after that verse, right? There, there's more context. There's more going on. There's more at play than what we just see in this one little snippet of scripture. And so what we're doing in this series is looking at some of the most famous passages, the most famous one-off verses that we find. And we're looking at the verse after the verse to see what God is trying to tell us, to see the full context and the full richness of what scripture would be speaking to us. Now today, today we're hitting the big daddy, the, the king of all Bible verses. Chances are you already know what it is. We're going to be focusing on John chapter 3, verse 16 today, and rightfully so. It, it absolutely has earned its ranking as the king daddy of Bible verses because it's so powerful, it's so good, its gospel message is so concise, but I really love the verse after the verse, and so we're going to be studying that today without any more hesitating, without any more waiting. Let's go ahead and let's jump right on, and if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 3 here at Cornerstone. We uh, read from the New Living Translation, so this is what it says in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Jesus says this. He's having a conversation with a religious leader named Nicodemus, and he tells him, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him, anyone who believes in him, it, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've experienced, anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. It's incredible. 
It's an amazing verse. It's no wonder why it's one of the most popular, why it's one of the most quoted, why it's one of the most favored verses in all of Scripture. But here is the verse after the verse. I love this. I love the way that this just expands on the idea. For God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Kind of sounds similar to John 3.16, right? It feels like it's hitting on some of the same big overarching themes, some of the big uh, same messages in a lot of ways. It sounds like it's very similar. And yet, in a lot of ways, verse 17 is kind of a rewording of verse 16. It's just kind of rephrasing it in a different way, which is our sermon title for today. If you're a note taker, you want to jot this down. Our sermon title is, Let Me Rephrase That. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Uh, verse 17, it kind of seems like it's just a rephrasing of verse 16, and in a lot of ways, it is. But here is what we're going to focus on today. There are some crucial differences between 16 and 17, some crucial differences that are built out in verse 17 that have huge implications for the church. They have huge implications for us and how we interact with the world, how we interact with people who have not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ. So the first crucial difference that I see between John 3:16 and 17 that I want us to focus in on the first is, is how we see these two different words used. So in John 3.16, we see that God gave his one and only son. He gave him. He, he, he gave us a gift, the gift of his one and only son. But then whenever we jump to the very next verse, the verse after the verse, John 3.17, that word gave isn't there anymore. Instead, it says not that God gave his son, but that God sent his son. God sent his son. Now, I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but whenever I hear the word sent, instantly what comes to my mind is like a package or a letter or an Amazon delivery, right? Something has been sent and it's on the way. I, I think of a message. When I hear that something has been sent, I think of a message. And I think that is what John is communicating in his gospel here when he records Jesus' words. I think what's being communicated here is that Jesus is the clearest message God could possibly send. Jesus is far and away the clearest message God could ever send the world. Have you ever sent somebody uh, like a text message or an email or something like that and you type it out and maybe you were kind of, you're writing it and it's maybe a touchy topic or it's something at work and so you send it out and after you send it, you do that reread you know what I'm talking about? Where like you've been stewing on this, you've been thinking about it, and so you type it all out, you send it, or you've been you know, using your thumbs on your phone, typing it in, you send it out, and then you reread it again, right? You're like, ooh, look at, look at my, look at how I told them off, or look at how I said this, or look at how I communicate this. And you start reading it again, and you're realizing, oh, wait a second. I think this might be communicating something that I didn't mean to communicate, <laughs> right? Like I didn't, I didn't put enough, dot, dot, dots. I didn't use enough exclamation points. I, I didn't use the right emoji to kind of help create the context that I wanted to have in this. It, it didn't create the nuance and the way that I would want it to be read. I can see how somebody would read it differently, how they could misconstrue it and, and get the wrong message out of it. That happens, I don't know about you, but that happens to me a lot where I'm like, oh man, I, I hope that people are getting the right message. That happens to me whenever I preach sermons. I'm like, man, I hope my tone was right. I hope, I hope that I communicated what I was supposed to communicate and that I don't watch this video back later thinking to myself, man, what was I thinking? What was I doing? 
It's very easy to misconstrue things whenever we're sending a message. And so God, I feel like, whenever we read this in John 17, or John chapter 3, 17, what God is reemphasizing, what Jesus is reemphasizing in this point is that God is not gonna allow his message to be messed up. <laughs> right, we, we, we studied this a few weeks or a, a few months now at this point back whenever we did a sermon series on the book of Hebrews, how God long ago spoke through prophets and spoke through people uh, to uh, communicate his very essence. But now in these last days, he has spoken through his one and only son. He's shown us exactly who he is, and that's what Jesus is. Jesus is the clearest message that God could possibly send. God is sending Jesus saying, I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I have come here to do. I don't want anybody to mess up or to uh, get the wrong idea about why I am coming into the world. I want it to be so clear. I want you to not be able to mess it up even if you tried. I want you to know why I'm here. God made his message as clear as possible, his one and only son, Jesus. And this is the message that he brought. Let me read this one more time. This is our verse after the verse, John 3, 17. For God sent his son into the world, why? Why did he send him? Why did he send this message? Why did he come in the flesh? God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Not to judge, but to save the world through him. This clear message that God wants to send, this overwhelmingly just concise, clear message that God wants to send is not one of condemnation, but salvation. Jesus' mission, Jesus' message, isn't one of condemnation, it is one of salvation. Church, this is so vital, and this is something that we can so easily miss. This is something that we can so easily uh, get it wrong, and we can't. Because it's the, it's the message of the gospel. We can't afford to get this wrong. We can't afford to, to forget or to miss what's happening here. That the reason Jesus came, the, the, the ethos behind his entire coming was not condemnation, not to judge, but to save. It was a rescue mission. We can't miss that message. We can't misconstrue, misconstrue what's going on here. And I can get how it happens because, um, for example, like with my kids, um, whenever it's uh, uh, school's out, different times, whenever we get home, Jessica will get in with the kids and she'll let them know, like, hey, we'll do more of a grab-and-go dinner tonight. Like, you can just kind of grab it, eat quick. And then other than that, it's 3.30 now. You guys can just be out and play and do whatever with your friends all the way up until 8 o'clock all the way up into bedtime. You just have to be in bed by eight o'clock, right? So the message that Jessica's communicating is one of freedom, one of liberation, one of, hey, we just get to go hang out with buddies. We just get to go run around the neighborhood and causing havoc. And it's, that's awesome, right? For little kids, it's like, this is great. But you wanna know what our kids respond back with more often than not? If we add that qualifier at the end of just be back in here by eight o'clock, Rather than, woohoo, all right, here we go. And they're tearing out of the house. They're like, eight? We have to be back in by eight? Oh, man. And, and, and they're frustrated. And me and Jessica are frustrated because we're like, how, how are you missing the message here? <laughs> 
The, the, the message that I was trying to communicate, this message that I'm sending you, this message that is so clear, is that you have freedom. You can do whatever you want for the next five and a half hours. How are you turning that into a negative thing? Come on, church, how do we turn the positive news of the gospel into a negative thing? How in the world does condemnation ever pass through our mouth, ever come off of our lips and our tongue? How, how are we ever known as a condemning people when Jesus has made it so clear? His mission, his message is not one of condemnation or judgment, but of salvation. And just like my kids, we so often can miss the main point, miss the good news and focus on something else. Because I get it. I, I, I probably can already hear the objection, but Pastor Jacob, sin is a thing. Like, condemnate, like if you don't believe in Jesus, you will be condemned one day. And if you don't believe in Jesus, hell is waiting one day. Like, I, I get the pushback and I agree with it. That is true. That is true. Apart from Jesus, we're dead. Apart from Jesus, we have no hope. We have no shot apart from him. But that being said, we cannot miss what John 3, 17 is so clearly showing to us that there is a difference between Jesus coming to save and us being condemned. <laughs> there is a big difference between these two things. Jesus obviously understood it. We as his church, we as his ambassadors, we have to understand the difference between these two things, that Jesus's mission and message is not one of condemnation, but one of salvation. You wanna know why Jesus didn't come to judge or condemn? Why scripture says that? And it, mind you, it doesn't just say that in John 3, 17. It says that all over the place. We see it over and over and over again that Jesus is saying, hey, look, I am not here to condemn. I am not here to judge. This is a rescue mission. I am here to save you. I'm here to bring light and life. I'm here to bring you life to the full. That's, that's the whole point. That's what's going on. And here is precisely why Jesus didn't come to judge or condemn sin, why he came to save, because Jesus didn't need to judge. <laughs> when Jesus came, he didn't need to judge because we have already been judged. We're already under condemnation. We already are a lost cause and, and have no heart, hope apart from Jesus. He doesn't need to come into the situation to tell us that. He doesn't need to come into the situation and beat us over the head with that. He's saying, no, 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 I'm coming into this situation to save you because you are already condemned. And this is so, this is so important. This is something that I could honestly spend a whole sermon on, on just this topic, and maybe we will in the weeks or months to come. But th this is so important. Jesus's mission wasn't to judge because the consequences of our sin are our judgment. Are you tracking with me? Let, let me say that one more time. Jesus's mission wasn't to judge because the consequences of our sin are our judgment. I wanna ask you real quick, and you don't have to say this out loud or anything like that, just answer to yourself, but what do you think about the consequences of sin? This is a very important question for us to ask ourselves. It, it, it says a whole lot about how we view God. What do you think about the consequences of sin? Do you think that when you sin, when you go against and when you defy God's, God's commands, do you believe that when you sin, it is inherently destructive? 
That like when you sin, when you go against God's order, whenever you reject his way for your own way, do you believe that as you do that, things just naturally become harmful? Like your, your decisions are naturally destructive. Do you believe that there is an inherent badness to your sinful choices? Or, or do you believe that when you sin, there's actually no real difference between doing good and doing bad. It's just that one of these days, God's gonna smack me over the head for my sins. It's actually not really bad on its own. It's just God hates sin. And so one of these days, he's gonna have to punish me. Like there were no natural bad consequences to my sin. I could be as selfish or as rude or as mean who is proud as I want to be. I can sleep around. I can do whatever I want. I can, I can do all these things and I'm good until one of these days when God's gonna punish me for it. God's gonna judge me for it. God's going to condemn me for it. You see, whenever we read scripture, we see time and time and time and time again that the sins we commit in our life have natural inherent consequences. We, we see that, listen to what it says in Romans chapter six, verse 23. This is the apostle Paul writing. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The, 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 the payout that you get for sin in your life is death. The cause and effect, you, you sin you get death. You, you tip that domino and that's what it leads to. So yeah, of course Jesus didn't have to come to condemn us or come to judge us because we already stand judged and we already stand condemned because we're sinners. <laughs> that, that's who we are apart from him. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not coming here to beat you over the head with that fact. I'm coming here because you need saved. I'm coming here because you need a rescuer. I'm coming here because you need someone to step into the situation and do for you what you could never do for yourself, Jesus says, I don't need to judge you, it's already been done. So Jesus didn't come into our situation with a gavel, right? You know the gavel, the thing that the judge hits to, to bring order to a courtroom or whenever he's pronouncing his judgment. Like, Jesus didn't come to earth with a gavel. John three seventeen, the verse after the verse makes that abundantly clear to us. Some stuff in the Bible isn't as clear as we want it to be. That's pretty darn clear. That's pretty darn clear. One more time, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. So that means Jesus didn't come with a gavel. Jesus didn't come carrying a gavel. You know what Jesus did? He, he came carrying a cross. Not a gavel, but a cross. And this is what we need to understand, church. And my goodness, I, I know this is the most cliche pastor thing to say, but if you only hear one thing I say today, right? If, if you only hear one thing that I say today in this sermon, if, you're, if you've been tuning out because I'm on a video and you're like, this is weird or whatever, I'm telling you right now is the moment, moment to, to tune in because this is so important. This is so crucial for us to understand. Church, Jesus came carrying a cross, not a gavel. So what that means is that Jesus didn't turn down the gavel only for his church to pick it up. That's good. <laughs> that, that, that's good right there. That Jesus didn't come with a gavel and lay it down only for us to become the arbiters and the judge, jury, and executioner for us to pick it up and say, well, he's not gonna judge, we sure will. 
He says he didn't come into the world to condemn, but hey, maybe we can do it for him. Jesus didn't come with a gavel. He came with a cross. So who in the world are we to pick it up? Church, this is one of the just hugely important messages that we get from John 3:17. It's one of the huge messages that we get from the verse after the verse that we as the church, we as Jesus's body, as his representatives, as his ambassadors, we are not to judge, we are not to condemn. If Jesus is our king, if Jesus is our lord, what he came to do, we need to keep doing. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. That needs to be our mission. We need to say, hey, we, we, see our, we see our king going to seek and save those who are lost. You better bet that's where you're gonna find me. Not with a gavel in my hand, but with a cross on my shoulders, carrying it the same way that my savior did, the same way that my king did. Jesus didn't turn down the gavel only for his church to pick it back up. Tell your neighbor right now, you better drop the gavel. Drop it. I wanna see your hands. I wanna make sure they're empty, that you are not holding on to anything because we need to drop it. I'm gonna use my kids again because they're just walking sermon illustrations. They breathe and it's a sermon illustration. It's, it's perfect. I've got endless material for my children. I can remember Eden and Evelyn and now Griffin doing this at different points and somehow I fall for it every time. Uh, uh, whenever they were like really little, not little like they are now, but like littler, uh, different times where I'd be in the room and I'm on my phone or Jessica would be on her phone and they would come over and they'd give you the puppy dog eyes in the guilt trip. They're like, no phone, daddy, no phone. Like it instantly make you feel bad. You feel about this big and you start questioning your like existence and am I a terrible parent? Am I always on my phone? Like what, what's going on here, right? And so they guilt trip you and I take my phone and you know, I set it down. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, what do you wanna play? What do you wanna play? And then we start playing something for like, three, five minutes, and then you see them run out of the room. I'm like, well, where are they going? And then you look over, they've grabbed my phone, and now they're using it. I'm like, what, what is this, the old switcheroo? Like, what are, you, <laughs> what are you doing here? I thought we were doing something else. You're, you're picking up what I just put down. Like, you're, you're using the thing that I just relinquished. Church, don't let that be us when it comes to judgment. And when it comes to condemnation, that Jesus says, I did not come into this world with a gavel, but my church is gonna wield one. I came into this world carrying a cross, but my church is gonna say, no, no, cross for us, but you can hand over the judgment, you can hand over the condemnation. We'll make sure that we label people appropriately. We'll make sure people know exactly where they stand with you. Dropping the gavel, that's the message of this rephrase that we see in John 3, 17, that Jesus did not come into our world. God did not send this message as one of condemnation and judgment and death, but one of life, one of forgiveness, one of salvation. That's the message of John 3, 17. That's the message of Jesus's ministry. The whole message of Jesus's ministry is, hey, I am not here to condemn or judge. I'm here to save your life. Look at his ministry. If, if Jesus had come to judge and condemn, to, to separate out, why would he have done what he did? <laughs> Look at the people he hung out with. 
Look at the crowds that he was around. Look at the 12 people he chose to minister with him. You have people who were, uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector, someone who conspired with the Roman government to overtax and overcharge people all over the empire. That's what we know about tax collectors in the first century. Just terrible. Stealing money from people, stealing land from people. And Jesus said, I'm choosing him. I'm going to work with him. I'm going to be seen with him. You have another disciple, Simon the Zealot. A zealot was uh, someone who was Jewish, who was so filled with zeal for their faith, so filled with enthusiasm, if we want to call it that, that if they saw any, anybody who was a traitor in their eyes to the Jews, if that's a Roman, if that's a, a Jewish traitor, someone like a tax collector, the zealot w- would promise and would take an oath that they would end their life. I'm going to kill that person. If I come across anybody like this, I'm going to take them out because I am so staunch on where I stand. That's like a modern-day terrorist is what we're describing right there. And guess who Jesus picks? Simon the Zealot. You're in my crew. (laughs) I'm going to be around you. I'm going to walk with you. You're, You're going to minister with me. I'm going to be seen with you. Obviously, Jesus' message, obviously the message that God is sending through his son, Jesus, is one of salvation, not condemnation, one of life. So this is how I want us to close this out today, church. And this is for us. This is where it gets real practical. If the churches, and I'm not just talking about Cornerstone Church, I'm talking about the Big C Church, the worldwide church, the American church. This is, this is my worry for us and a, a prayer that I hope we get this right. If the church's message of salvation isn't as clear as the cross of Jesus, we are doing it all wrong. If the church's message, if, if, if the message we are sending out to the world is muddled, if it's, if it's inconsistent, if, if the message that the church is sending out to the world doesn't look like the cross of Christ in everything that we do, we are missing it and we're missing it terribly. We're, we're missing the mark. We're not hitting on the same message. We are not preaching the same gospel that God has told us to preach, that Jesus has given us. Jesus died for sinners of whom I and you, we are the worst. That's the message of the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel. That's what John 3.16 and 3.17 are talking about. That's a clear message of salvation, not condemnation or, or judgment. That is as clear as it possibly gets. And so if our Savior, think about this, church, if our Savior loves sinners so much that he died for them, how in the world can our body How in the world can our church say, yeah, our Savior loves sinners enough to die for them, but we don't love sinners enough to really let them into our church? Yeah, I get it. Jesus Jesus loves sinners to the point of the cross. Um, I'll love certain sinners to the point of the cross (laughs) because there's certain kinds of sins and there's certain kinds of ways that people miss the mark that I don't know. I, I know Jesus may have died for them, but I don't know if I would serve with them. There's certain people that, 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 that Jesus died for, but I don't know if I'd be okay hanging around them. I don't want to be seen with them. I don't want to be labeled as that kind of person because I'm around them. God, help us. What are we doing? What are we doing? 
if the church's message of salvation isn't as clear as the cross of Christ, we are doing it all wrong. It's time for us to rephrase things. It's time for us to make sure our message is abundantly clear to say, hey, hey, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what it costs me. I'm gonna make sure that the message of Jesus is so clearly defined and shown through my life because I want to be faithful to my king. I wanna be faithful to the example and to the message that Jesus has sent to the world because I want people to see my life and not see me holding a gavel. I want, to, I want them to see me carrying a cross. I want, to see, I want them to see me following the example of my Savior. Church, it is time that we rephrase things. Let me pray with you real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the clear, concise message of Jesus, the message that we, we can't mess up. You've made it so abundantly clear that you did not come into this world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but to save the world. And Jesus, if, if you've come into this world with no gavel, just a cross, we need to follow your lead. We need to set aside the gavels in our life and pick up our own crosses, dying to ourselves daily and submitting ourselves to your will and to your ways and to your wishes. And we know as we do that, that's how we advance the kingdom. That's how we change people's lives that we interact with, people who we have influence on. We change them not by wielding a gavel, but by bearing a cross. Help us to do that. Help us through the power of your spirit to every single day bear our cross, die to ourself, and in everything we do, point to you, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. We love you, Father, and we pray all of this in your mighty, powerful name. And everybody said together, amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.